kfuo.org. You're listening to the Midday Moments program. I'm Gary, your host. And it's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And today we welcome back one of our favorite guests, St. Peter of the St. Peter's Hook and Crook. With summer coming to the end, how are things going for you, Peter? You know, as we talked about a few weeks ago, every summer we, we travel up north because that's where you find the best potato salad in the country. Uh, this year we got a nice selection of Michigan white and Minnesota red in both mayonnaise and mustard varieties. In fact, we finally got all the potato salad unpacked, and, and we're just waiting for all your listeners to come down here and have their pick. And for me, huh, I'm looking forward to just getting back into the old routine. You know, it sounds like you needed a vacation from your vacation. Oh, well, you know, Gary, you, you've probably done that, too. That's the way it often is when you, you take a working vacation. But trust me, it's worth it when you see those smiling faces enjoy what we've brought back from the rich potato salad fields of the great north. Uh, however, all of this talk about food reminds me of one of my favorite Bible stories. I don't remember any stories about potato salad. Well, it, it wasn't about potato salad, but it was about fishes and loaves and lots of them. A story so significant that all four gospel writers thought it was worth recording. Oh, you're talking about Jesus' miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Oh, 5,000 men. And who knows how many women and children. I particularly like my friend John's account of that event. How much potato salad would it take to feed five? Never mind. That's that's, So I have to calculate that. Yeah. So anyway, John chapter 6, if I remember correctly. uh, No offense, Peter, but if John recorded it, why didn't you just have uh, him talk to us about the story? Well, you know, John recorded this story, but I'm really the key disciple in that tale. Actually, at the end of the story, I made the wisest statement I ever made in my life. Uh, But it was also the most foolish thing I ever said. (laughs) Wise, but foolish. You've you've got me kind of intrigued. So what was it that you said? Well, you're just going to have to wait for that answer. Uh, There are a lot of things we have to talk about first. It's not really the story itself, though, uh, about the 5,000 that I want to discuss. It is, as they say in the German, uh, the was is das of the story. Was is das? What does that mean? Yes, exactly, Gary. No, Peter, you don't understand. I don't speak German. What, what does that mean? Well, apparently, Gary, you know German better than you think, because that's a perfect translation. <laughs> but I don't know what it means. That's why I'm asking you. Was is das? What does this mean? But that's what it means, Gary. Vasis das is often translated in the English, what does this mean? Oh, okay, now I get it. I, I was just kind of confused. Well, by the way, who's on first, Gary? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Peter, don't even go there, okay? <laughs> Let's get back to our study. So uh, what you're saying is you want to discuss the meaning behind Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. And that's why I want to consider John's account of this event. You know, all the other gospel writers simply record the story. But John is the only one who records Jesus' lengthy explanation of why he fed the 5,000 that day. The vases dust of the story. Ah, precisely, Gary. But before Jesus reveals the true meaning of the miracle, he has to dispel some crucial misunderstandings of the miracle. Now, why don't you begin reading from John chapter 6, verses 23 through 24. And no need to rush there. Don't, don't want you to get any paper cuts. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, thanks for your concern, too. 
other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Now, now early in this chapter, John pointed out the people were following Jesus, not because of Jesus himself, but because of the wonders he performed, the signs he was doing on the sick, as John puts it. But the feeding of the 5,000, now that radically changed the crowd's view of Jesus. I mean, it is a remarkable thing to be in the presence of a healer like Jesus, but you really only need a healer when you're sick. Now it appears to the crowd there's an even better reason to be in the presence of Jesus. He can feed you, and food is something we can use every day. Healer Jesus is one thing, but Jesus who can miraculously provide your daily needs, now that's another thing entirely, wouldn't you agree? That's someone you not only want to follow, but you might want to make him your king as well. Which is why the crowd gets into the boats and immediately seek after Jesus. Right, exactly. But this idea that Jesus is to be a, a, a bread king is the first misunderstanding that must be dispelled, and, and Jesus will do so. Read on if you would, Gary. Okay, John six twenty-five through 27. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. In so many words, Jesus was saying, You've come here because of your stomachs, not because of your hearts. And the program of Jesus Christ was not first and foremost to change man's bellies, but to change their hearts. Wait a second, Peter. I think it was part of Jesus' program to feed our stomachs. After all, didn't he come upon us to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty? Didn't Jesus command us to pray to our Father, give us this day our daily bread? It seems to me taking care of our earthly physical needs is a big part of the program of Jesus. And you're right, Gary. Uh, you're all of our worldly blessings ultimately can be traced back to the gifts of Jesus and God our Father. Oh, I understand we sometimes have to work for these blessings. Why, there'd be no potato salad to buy here at the Hook and Crook if Mrs. Peter and I hadn't taken the long hours to bring the harvest home. Uh, and, and Peter, we'd have no potato salad to eat if we didn't go out and earn the money to buy the potato salad from you. Yeah, you're right. I'm not running a charity here, Gary. Uh, but you must admit my prices are reasonable. Oh, well, no one would question that you run a legitimate business. But as I said, although we work and, and we pay, Ultimately, all of this still comes from the hand of God, doesn't it? I mean, after all, it's God who gives us the wisdom, the skill, the abilities, the strength, but with the job. And while it's sometimes hard for the, the world to understand, I think most Christians realize that jobs and labor are simply the means God uses to provide for us our daily needs. And I, I'm sure everyone can tell a story where they didn't have a job or they couldn't labor and, and God somehow still provided for them. Maybe not so much that they didn't have to worry about tomorrow, but certainly what they needed for the day. Uh, always and everywhere, God does answer the petition, give us this day our daily bread. But that's my point, Peter. Apparently, that's the meaning of feeding of the 5,000, is that God will provide for our bodily needs, even if we're stranded in wilderness. But, but Gary, that, that's only the beginning 
of the meaning of the miracle. Uh, God does provide our earthly needs. You're right. He does so for all creatures. As the psalmist declares, the eyes of all wait upon thee, O Lord, and thou givest them their uh, meat in due season. Uh, thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. Uh, God does this for all creatures, but but for people, God wants to do much more. Wait a second. I, I see where you're coming from now. It's just as Jesus said to the crowd, do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. God does want to provide for our daily needs, but even more, he wants to provide for our eternal needs. Think about it, Gary. In the Old Testament, God miraculously multiplied the quail and the manna and fed his people in the wilderness. In our story, he multiplied the fish and loaves and, and fed more than 5,000 souls. He continues the miracle of multiplication even unto our day. Talk to any farmer. He plants one little wheat seed and harvests a thousand more. Ask the fisherman. He throws back the little fishes because he knows they will multiply and there'll be plenty more the next time he fishes. The multiplication of food, and you know, the world calls it nature. But we Christians call it the miracle of God. But despite the greatness of this miracle, it doesn't solve one major problem. And what problem is that? Well, you know, the children of Israel, they still died in the wilderness. The 5,000 were fed, but they are no longer with us today. We eat of the fruit of the land, but we too will perish. The meaning of the feeding, of the vasus dos of the feeding of the 5,000, is that God not only wants to provide us food for this life, but he wants to give us food that will give eternal life. And what is this food? It is none other than Jesus Christ, the bread of life. He who by grace both gives us food for this day and the food of his own flesh for eternity. But now, now we're pressing on to things that come later in the text. For right now, we, we want to address only this one misunderstanding. Jesus is not a bread king primarily concerned just about solving our present physical needs. He is primarily concerned with giving us faith that we might live eternally. As he said, giving us food that does not perish, but that endures to eternal life. I suppose that's why sometimes Jesus doesn't immediately deliver us from our earthly trials and struggles. Uh, you are correct, sir. Eventually, he will deliver us from all evil. But it's interesting that is one of the last petitions, you know, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us from evil, as if to say there are many things that we should pray for first, many things that God must do first before all evil is put to an end. And one of those things that God must do is give us faith in Jesus, our eternal bread of life. So let us not make the same mistake as the crowds in the Bible did. We don't want to follow Jesus because of our earthly blessings, but we would like to follow Jesus because he is the way to eternal life. But that is just the first of several misunderstandings the crowd had. Uh, when we get together next week, we'll talk about how they misunderstood Jesus' words about labor and how they misunderstood what Jesus meant about faith. And we'll also hear the wise and foolish statements that you made. <laughs> Please understand, the statement I made was very wise. I was the one who was the fool. But more about that, as you say, in the weeks to come. 
And in the meantime, we may not have fish and loaves at the Hook and Crook, but we've got all the potato salad you'd care to eat. So come on down to the Hook and Crook and get it while it's fresh. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, thanks so much for uh, being on the program today. And you just had to sneak in another commercial, but that's, I don't really mind. That's okay. Well, you know, even saints have to make a living, Gary. <laughs> uh, that we do. And I'm sure that all saints listening to us are aware of that. And I'll, again, talk to you next week, Peter. And can I order enough um, of that potato salad to feed? Oh, yeah. Do you want the Minnesota red or that? I'll, or the I'll, white take a little, I'll take a little bit of each. And I think I need to okay. feed about uh, 5,000. Okay. 5,000? Yeah. We are the messenger of good news worldwide, KFUO at kfuo.org.